Good morning, Hopevale. Happy Father's Day today. We invite you to stand as we worship together and we sing praises to our Father in heaven. God bless y'all as we sing. If it's your first time with us, just let it go. And we'll sing together. Here we go. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the
together, show us your glory, say. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Pray that one more time. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Your love has stayed the same, and your constant grace remains the cornerstone. And things that we thought were dead are breathing. Your 
So God, we adore you and um, it's our affection that we pour out to you because of all that you've done. God, you've done so much in our life to, um, to where we could make list after list. Every time we come to church and we have these opening songs, and these opening moments, I just keep thinking about um, how we just need to come together to say thank you and to say thank you for all you've done. Before we even ask you for anything, just a big acknowledgement of who you are and a thank you for all you've done. It's kind of like the Lord's Prayer. It starts off saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It just We're just acknowledging you and we're telling you that we're holy. God, may you find our, our lives like that, kind of in the model of the Lord's Prayer where we just acknowledge you, we tell you you're holy, we tell you we love you and that there's none above you. And yeah, we've got our needs. We've got things that we've going on, got going on in our lives where we really need you to work and move and to bring answer prayer. And so, Lord, we lay those things at your feet today, knowing that uh, you want to uh, move and work in those things, and ask God your continued blessing on our time in worship. In Jesus' name, everybody said together. Amen. Hey, glad you're all here today, everybody. It's a good day. Good day to be at church. Hey, while you're standing, say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks. Wow, good morning again, uh, and welcome uh, to Hopevale. Uh, my name is Cass Ferris. I'm uh, uh, 
I'm on the board here at Hopevale, and uh, I get to share with you uh, some of the things we're doing. Uh, happy Father's Day today, by the way. Uh, we uh, are, are celebrating that, and um, we're, uh, we're glad uh, for that today. Um, if you're here today, and, and you're relatively new, or even if you've been coming for a while, and you're looking for a way to get connected uh, with Hopevale, we want to share with you that there's some easy ways to do that. You can talk to anybody uh, at, e at any of the desks that are out there. We have the info desk, we have the welcome desk, and even go get a coffee and ask them how you can get connected. By the way, if, if you like making coffee, there may be some opportunities there and just see Amber um, for that. But now we're really glad you're here today. Um, many, many of you are connected already uh, and are doing a great job as volunteers, so we want to thank you for that uh, today. So um, thank you. Hi, my name is Amber Neeling. I'm the Welcome Ministries Director here at Hopevale Church. And he's not joking, if you do like making coffee, we do have some opportunities for you. So um, feel free to speak with me out in the lobby. But um, for those of you who don't know, this is actually my dad. So happy Father's Day, Dad. Yeah, look at that. I get points for doing that in front of everybody. Um, but... Um, and, also, and, and they all keep score. I we just do. Say, My brother's here sure. too, so he's visiting. So take that, bro. You know. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love my family. Well, this is why we don't do this very That's often right. together. This is maybe the last time, actually. <laughs> I but know. Um, but I just have a couple of announcements for you quickly. Um, one is Bible Camp. Bible Camp is starting next Monday, which is the 25th. And um, Bible Camp is awesome. For those of you who have never been involved with Bible Camp, it is just a week of just craziness. I mean, it's just pure craziness. So fun. Tons of kids just pack into this auditorium. Um, but with those tons of kids, we need guides. And so we are actually looking for 35 more guides to help out with that. So if you are at all interested in that, um, we have a Bible camp table in the lobby that you could visit or feel free to visit um, our children's area and talk to Jody. She's, she's one of our main people for that. Um, also, I don't know if you guys have seen people walking around with a 168 shirt. I see him right here in the front with a 168 Can shirt. Can you stand you up so we could all model that for us? There you go. Perfect. So Dan did a sermon, uh, very perfect, a couple of weeks ago about 168 and living 168 hours for the Lord. We are actually... Um, today's the last day that you can purchase these 168 shirts online. So um, if you want one of those, I've been hearing a lot of chatter, you can go to the info desk in the lobby and they can help you with that. And then the last announcement that we have is a great Father's Day gift for anyone who may not have gotten that yet. We have these Hope Failed tumblers that are available for sale in the lobby. They're $7. It's either cash or charge. We can take either. Um, so if you need a last-minute Father's Day gift, we're here to help, just so you know. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so uh, one of the ways that we worship here is through giving. I want to invite the ushers to come forward. Um, if you're new here, uh, don't feel compelled to, to participate, but... Uh, this is an opportunity for us as a body to, to just contribute to how we do things here and, and the ministries that are all part of this body. So we encourage you to, to do that as we continue in worship today. So let's pray for the offering. Lord, we just thank you that, God, you are who you are. Lord, today as we celebrate you, we celebrate Father's Day, God, may we be turned to you as our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for providing for each of us and for, for showing us uh, your love in so many ways. 
And God, allow us to just give back to you through this offering as an act of service, as an act of worship to you. We pray that you will bless the funds that are given, uh, that we may reach more people in this community, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, gang, just remain seated for just a few moments, and we'll, we'll get you up in a little bit. Thanks.
Yeah, uh, so God, we hang on every word uh, that you're about to say. And uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, this day, this opportunity to serve you and worship you and just be here. Um, God, uh, you call us to be a blessing in our life. You call us to use uh, the resources and the gifts we have and the knowledge we have to impart you. So um, what would it be today uh, that you would speak into our lives? Um, I know some people uh, were talking about relationships today and family life and Maybe there's some single people here today and some people where maybe they just feel like it won't totally pertain, but you've got a word for all of us, Lord, through your scriptures. So uh, pray, God, that today you would speak and speak very clearly. And so we lean in to you as we sang. And so come now and breathe upon our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, gang. Have a seat. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Hopevale. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopevale, and I am joined on stage today by Kathy Davis, my wife. Give it up for her. Yes. Half that was for her being here. The other half was for putting up with me. So that was, yes, excellent. So good to share this day with you. I want to welcome to those of you watching and joining us in Bay City. And Kathy, you've been serving in Bay City since we launched, so you got a special word for your people? They are my people. Hello, Bay City. Woohoo! Yes. And you know, you got to know that in Bay City, when we do the shout out, like they go nuts. Oh, right? they go nuts. Yeah. yeah. So good. So, hey, we also too want to join in the happy Father's Day wishes to all the dads here. Dads, you guys are the greatest. Glad you're spending your Sunday here at Hopevale. And just know that the work, the investment, the involvement in your kids' lives, God is using that to make a huge difference in their lives. You are channels of his love and blessing and grace. And you know, I gotta say I'm pretty excited for Father's Day because I know you've got a great gift waiting for me at home, right? I can picture it now. Yeah. 65 inch ultra yeah. high def TV <laughs> this afternoon, Tigers game, mm -hmm. World well, Cup, yeah. US Open, uh -huh. right? Right, because the family lore in Davis family is we buy the presents, he returns the presents. So this year we decided just to cut, cut straight to the chase, no presents. It is, so. I, I'm pretty bad about that. <laughs> but I didn't return them all, so oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. yes, okay. <laughs> Whew. Oh, all right. Let's try that again. So, hey, I understand you've got a little uh, throwback Father's I Day do. memory. Too, I have a right? picture of you with our little babies up there. Um, yes. <laughs> this was actually taken on Father's Day when our kids ran into church and greeted their dad. And um, we don't exactly know what year it was, but um, yeah, it's so sweet. See how our boys, our sweet boys, are in matching shirts because, you know, 
mom stars and all that. And then um, this is our second picture. So this is our kids as of a few weeks ago. So um, just so you know, moms and dads that are out there today and you've got littles running around like crazy people, they really do grow up. And, um, but to us, they're still our little babies, right? Yeah, I, I got a smile on my face really seeing that picture. Uh, none of them are living in the basement, so I just, <laughs> you know, there is hope. Younger dads dream big, I swear, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so we're continuing our Worry and Anxiety series called It Is Well, Finding Peace in an Anxious World. And today, I'm sharing the stage with Kathy because we want to talk about some of the areas in our lives where we can feel most anxious and get awfully worried, and that's married life and that's family life. And so today, we're going to probe that a little bit. And before we dive into the details, though, I want to pick up on something that I touched on last week because I think it is important to say up front before we dive into all all the specifics. You know, last week, uh, I talked about two kinds of anxieties two kinds of anxieties that, first of all, there is universal and circumstantial anxiety that's common to all of us, right? This is what happens when we get overwhelmed, when we get stressed, when we live in an uncertain world and we can't control everything. This is the anxiety we read about in Philippians 4 when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything. You know, bring your prayer requests to God, right? Because he hears and he answers and he'll pour out his peace, right? So we all experience that kind of anxiety. But I also touched on this second unique and complicated anxiety that is specific to some. Like this is the world of anxiety disorders that some of you live in constantly that the rest of us can't fully understand. And I want to say that and recognize that again because we know that that's a reality for some of you and we know that the rest of us don't totally get it. Now, we're not going to spend much time on that type of anxiety today and when we talk about marriage and family, but we want you to know that we're not saying that because it's not important. We're not saying that because it's not worth, you know, seeking the help you need because it is a very crucial area. You know, last week we talked about caring well, both giving care and receiving care, and this is certainly part of that, right? Yeah, I just wanted to add my voice to Dan's in this, is that if you are one of those people that is dealing with an anxiety psychological issue or you, someone you love is, we are not trying to minimize that in any way. We know that you're out there and we know that memorizing a couple of verses in Matthew 6 or Philippians 4 isn't just going to fix that right up and send you on your way. We hear you. We know it. And we're not trying to put a Band-Aid on a problem that needs stitches. So we are encouraging you to take the steps to start getting the help that you need. Um, But today we're going to address more of those universal anxieties that maybe are more common to all of us, things about the future and how am I going to be able to take the next steps and what's really going to happen in in this world of ours. And that's what we're going to address today. Right. And again, especially when it comes to, you know, raising kids and their future and their safety and all these flashpoints where we can get really anxious. And so when Kathy and I were talking about, you know, what's the best way to dive into this topic? You know, how should we think this through? How should we present it to you? A diagram came to mind. And so I want to share this up front because it really, I think, is a good way, not only for us to think about it, but for us to have a roadmap for where we're going to go today. So as you think about finding peace in the home, think about these three circles that at the core, it's our personal peace. It all starts there. This is the world of me and my God. 
me and my God. And that's where we have to begin because it's from there, that core, that foundation, then we can talk about peace and marriage, right? Me and my spouse, how are we getting along? Are we, you know, amping up the anxiety or are we finding greater peace? And then with that in place, we can talk about this outer ring, this third circle, right? Family peace, family peace, me and my kids and that relationship, right? And they're all important, but the temptation in in parenting is to want to jump to that outer ring first, right, and attack all those. But we would suggest or we would, you know, encourage you to think about this first circle. And, you know, I've been talking about this inner circle all throughout this series. I mean, that's what we've been addressing in the messages, like seeking well, thinking well, praying well, even last week, caring well, both the care that we give and the care that we receive. So instead of me telling you more about that inner circle, we thought, you know, Kathy, that you'd share a few things about that. I'm so excited to be able to get to um, say some words on this topic. And so we've got the diagram and right there in the center of the diagram is you. I mean, we all want peace in our marriage and our family. I mean, who doesn't? But we need to start in the right place. And so we need to travel back right to the beginning and you. And to be honest, uh, you with no excuses. No uh, finger pointing and saying to yourself, well, if you only knew my circumstances, if you knew my boss, if you knew my spouse, if you knew my job, um, the stresses that I deal with on a daily basis, you know, I don't know if I really can experience that peace. But, you know, you can't control them. All those finger pointing things, you can't control them. You can't. But you are not powerless. Your life can be different without your circumstances changing at all. Well, how? How? How can that happen? It's because of Jesus. And when I say Jesus, I don't mean coming to church every now and then and singing along with Christian radio or um, saying and doing all the right things or even putting a 168 sticker on your phone. What I mean is you, you being all in and knowing Jesus, realizing once and for all that you cannot get it together on your own. But God always knew that. And that's why Jesus came and that's why he died. Because no matter how strong or capable or good you feel, the truth is that apart from Jesus, you are not good enough to be in a relationship with God. So I'm inviting you, we're inviting you to finally take a good look in the mirror, to fess up and say to God, I can't, but you can. I need you to be my savior. I place my faith in you. And in that moment, a wonderful journey begins of a real relationship with God, one that you were created to be in. You are no longer a churchgoer. You are a Christ follower, a Christian. God sends the Holy Spirit to live in you, and now we're talking. We are forever his and promised eternal life with him. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit has promised to be in us and help us every step of the way until then. That's God's power in us. No longer us just trying harder and trying to be good enough. You know, in the Bible, John 14, verses 26 and 27, Jesus is talking to some of his friends that are gathered around, and this is what he says. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Here's where we start. We don't need to be troubled or afraid 
We can experience God's peace, but no one can make this decision for you. God leaves it up to you. But to be honest, without you giving your life to Jesus, all these promises of God's peace and presence with you, they don't apply to you, but they can. They so can. Yeah, Romans 5.1, Paul says, therefore, having been justified or made right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus. And, you know, what we're going to say later on about marriage and family Uh, It's good stuff, right? But if you don't have this foundation in place, then there's a hollow core there, right? So it starts with Jesus, but it also stays with Jesus. We continue to draw upon his peace, upon his grace, upon his strength. I don't care how long you've known the Lord, how many years you've walked with him, right? We never graduate from that. That core, that center, that foundation of peace with God is where it all begins, and everything flows from that. And as it flows from that, with that kind of foundation in in place, we can then talk about the second ring, this second circle of marriage, and marriage, and me and my spouse. And as Kathy and I were talking about, you know, where anxiety in marriage comes from, where some of the worry might come from, we thought about two questions that every spouse consciously or subconsciously asks themselves at one time or another. And those two questions would be something like this. Uh, do they love me and are they telling me the truth? Do they love me and are they telling me the truth? Am I accepted by them and are they being honest with me, right? That's where it starts because if we don't have those two questions and feel settled about that, if there's a little uncertainty, that's where the anxiety is going to creep in. And let me just add, you know, love is not enough, right? So if we have a spouse who keeps telling us, I love you, I love you, I love you, but we don't feel like they're being straight with us. We feel like they're keeping secrets. We feel like they don't know, you know, they're not painting us the full picture, right? That's only going to add to the anxiety, no matter how many times we hear them say, or we tell them, I love you, right? And so whether we articulate these worries and fears or not embedded deep within, right? I'm afraid he's gonna walk out. I'm afraid she's hiding something from me. I'm afraid I don't know the whole story. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, right? And so that kind of anxious marriage produces an unhealthy marriage. That's why trust in marriage is so important. And I know that might sound a little bit cliche, but trust is really the glue that dials down the anxiety and adds to the peace. So here are four things real quick that you need to know about trust and trust in marriage. That truth builds trust. Truth builds trust. And trust takes time, right? It, it grows over time. Trust also is fragile, right? You build this thing over time, but all it takes is a mess up, a big lie, and it all comes crumbling down. And related to that then, trust is earned. It's not just given, right? Trust is so precious, it's so fragile, and it really is the glue that brings stability to a marriage, right? So maybe you've got this conflicted marriage and one spouse just screams to the other, you know, why don't you trust me? I said I was sorry, right? Now, don't get me wrong, apologies are a good thing. Apologies are owning up to mistakes. But it's what comes after, 
Where's the follow through? Where's the consistency? Where's the track record and the commitment through actions of rebuilding, showing that that apology, that repentance, that confession is true and real, right? Now, let me just clear, we're not talking about perfection, right? But we are talking about progress. That's why, you know, when it comes to building trust in marriage and, and telling the truth, we, we have to have a commitment of openness, of transparency, that there can't be any secrets. So with Kathy and with me, Kathy has access to my phone. She has access to my computer. She can look at my texts, my emails, my Facebook, and understand what a boring life I really lead. But you've got access to that, right? And, and, and let me just say this. She has access to it not because she's my mom, not because she's my accountability partner. She's my spouse, and as my spouse, she deserves the truth. She really does. Right, now we just throw in the amount of times I've actually checked his texts or emails. I can't even remember the last time I did that. But the invitation alone and his open-handedness in that is what I need because the flip side of that is um, a communication that says it's none of your business or you don't need to know that. And that's got to be a red flag for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. I mean, the words it's none of your business should never be coming out of your mouth. But here's the other part, though. So if we're going to say, yes, we're committed to truth-telling in marriage because we want to build the trust, we want to make sure that there's less anxiety and greater peace, then you need to have a tone in your marriage, a tone in that relationship where the truth is valued, not punished. Right? Truth-telling is valued, not punished. In other words, that you need to buy into the fact that an ugly truth is better than a pretty lie. And that's hard. It's really hard. But to have that kind of commitment, so how do you have that kind of environment, that kind of tone where truth-telling is valued, not punished? Well, for one thing, Kathy needs to know that if she's going to approach me and tell me the truth, that I'm not going to violently react, that I'm not going to blow up immediately, that I'm not going to always just go on the defensive and then return go on the attack. I think of James 1.19, you know, a passage that I bring up a lot with pre-married couples as we go through counseling before their wedding. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Those three actions right there, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, help create that tone for truth-telling and again, it's hard, right? You're hearing something and you want to argue your defense like the best attorney possible, but you've got to let them be able to tell the truth and to respond, not react. And then conversely, if I'm telling the truth to my spouse, then I can't be accusatory. It's, my, my goal is we want to push through conflict to get through a greater place of truth. So I might say something like this. I love you. I'm not going anywhere, and we need to talk, right? I love you, I'm not going anywhere, we need to talk, right? Dialing down the anxiety, pursuing truth-telling in order to get greater intimacy, greater connection in marriage where the trust continues to build. We've often said then, you know, that the best gift, the safest environment you can create for your kids is knowing that mom and dad love each other and they're committed to each other. And that really then kind of serves as a good transition to talk about this third ring, right? Family life. 
Right, so I agree. We've started in the middle with our own personal uh, peace that we're getting from Jesus and then transferred that to, through to our marriage. And now we're going to jump into the outer ring or us and our families. We've got a little bit of experience here because those little faces you saw on the screen are really ours. And we really raised them right here in Saginaw, Michigan yeah. and watched them grow up here. So we're going to say four things about reducing anxiety and having a peaceful home. And the first one is the one I wish I wouldn't have to talk about at all. The one that I feel like is so obvious, especially in church, we shouldn't have to say it, but we're gonna say it. Your, your home needs to be a safe place. It needs to be safe spiritually, emotionally, and physically. When your family walks through the door, they need to feel secure and safe. And I mean, the super obvious ones are there cannot be any abuse, any addiction going on in their home where your children are just receiving the anxiety of all of that. Am I going to get hit today? No. I mean, come on. We, why do we even have to talk about that? Those kind of rage situations where there's actual violence in the home or addiction. Um, then you can peer it down to maybe there's no yelling, there can't be any screaming, no blaming, no shaming, no um, threats, no silent treatment, no passive aggressive junk, and just the putting of others down with criticism and those long lists of if only, if only you were more like your sister, something like that. All of those define an unsafe environment in the home. And if you want anxiety to explode, you can imagine all of those things are like fuel on the fire for that. That You can't have a peaceful home with any of that going on. You know, our kids create their first views of the world and begin to define what is normal by what they experience at home. And I know that none of us wants our kids to define normal as yelling or screaming or I'm out of here threats and door slamming. So if you are a parent today that deals with any of this, like an anger issue or an addiction issue, we are asking you strongly to get some help. Wave the white flag and say, I have been messing up and I know nobody knows what's going on behind our doors, but I am messing up and we, I need some help. Don't let it continue to go on because it really can be different and it really has to be. You know, and as you were talking, Kathy, I think there are big ass safety issues, abuse, violence, out of control anger. And if you're on the receiving end of that as a spouse and our kids involved, uh, you may need to leave the home, right? That's just not justified under any circumstance. But I'd also, Kathy, continue to maybe those smaller S safety issues of just constant criticism, right? The, just the riding, the, the defeatist kind of communication, right? And I think we've learned through the years, the good and the bad, our kids are like sponges. I mean, they pick up on everything, even if they don't tell you they are. And so they really feel that, the security and the safety or lack of it. So it really starts there. And then I would just build off of that to talk about the home also needs to be a steady place, right, a steady place, a place of consistency and reliability, which means your number one job, and we say this a lot to each other, your number one job as a parent is to be the grown-up, to be the grown-up. More than their friend, more than their best buddy, you need 
to be the grown-up, and it really is for their best to be the responsible one. Otherwise, you have inconsistency in parenting. The inconsistency produces unpredictability, and unpredictability leads to insecurity. So how do you help create a more steady home? What are some of the things you can do? Well, first of all, parents, uh, you need to present a united front. You need to find common ground, and you need to speak with one voice. Right, and so as you're communicating to your children, you gotta make sure you're not contradicting each other. And it can be hard, right? You have kids, you understand, I mean, they're just geniuses that plan one parent off the other, right? And you've gotta resist that. And so if you and, and your spouse don't see things you know, quite the same way, then have that discussion in private, right? Figure it out together and then present a united front. And as parents too, we also need to be people who do what we say and are people of our word, right? And that goes with promises, that goes with punishments. So don't be the parent who, you know, flies into a rage, grounds the child for the month, takes away their phone, and three days later gives it back to them because they just wore you down with their nagging, right? That if you're gonna make these big threats, then you need to follow up. And conversely, the big promises, right? You come home, you've had a great day. Hey, we're getting a puppy, we're getting a horse, we're getting a new house, we're getting a car, we're going to Disney, right? And then just, you know, hours later, you change your mind, right? That just is sending these mixed messages, and again, in a small way, is undermining the peace that you're trying to create. Related to peace, I'd also say this. This is part of being the grown-up, is that you need to dial down the drama. As your kids grow up, as they get older, they're going to bring the drama into the house, because really, it is a drama-filled world. It is an emotional world. But as they overreact to things, don't respond in kind. Right? You need to listen. Even if you're dying on the inside, even if you want to you know, explode back at them on the inside, you need to just respond, not react. Right? Every mood change, every roller coaster they're going to go through, right? you've just got to let that go. And if you need to walk out of the room, if you need to say, hey, we need to talk about this later, you get to because you're the grown-up. Right? So dial down the drama. And then finally, too, I would say this. Where you can... You need to shelter your kids from age-appropriate stresses that you know, some kids are just too young to handle. We can't protect our kids from everything, but there are choices we can make in the home. So if you know, you've got the evening news all the time and you're talking as spouses, yeah, I can't believe, man, we are on the threat of nuclear war. I think we're just going to blow up like that, right? No good. Or family stuff. You know, mommy's going to lose her job. Daddy's going to lose his job. We're going to get kicked out of the home and we'll have no place to live. And you're just living out loud, processing out loud. Again, the sponges, the kids are going to pick up on that, right? Now, if your kids are older and, and there's a mature discussion that you think you need to have about some of the stresses you're going through, then have that appropriately, right? But think about that because the home needs to be a safe place. It needs to be a steady place. And it also needs to be... A soft place. So um, one of the things that Dan and I always wanted to have in our home was that we knew that it would be a soft place to land. So as our kids go out and do their thing, whether it's school or sports or jobs as they get older or being with friends or all the things that happen out there, we wanted our home to be a place that they would want to be. So no matter how beat up they feel, uh, whether they made good or bad choices when they were there, when they succeeded or failed out there, they would know then count on our home being a soft place to land. 
So that means that we might need to let go of some of our own personal agendas. You know, when our son Scott was in elementary school, you know, God bless those firstborns, right? Because we are like putting our, our like parenting tactics to work. Um, I remember getting frustrated um, that he wouldn't do what I thought he should do right after school. So I had visions of perfectly done homework and long, meaningful conversations about what he had done all day, and then um, chores that were executed quickly and concisely. And um, so I was a little bit frustrated that he didn't kind of get with the program and, and fall in line right after school. And so I actually talked to his teacher about it, because I'm that mom, and she... Uh, she kind of told me, she, she kind of had a shocked look on her face and she said, uh, you know, when we get done with school, this is like third grade, when we get done with school, we've had a really full day. You know, we've been doing a lot, we've been working hard and Scott's probably exhausted. We're all exhausted. And I know it sounds so simple to you, but God used that as a, a little light bulb moment for me. I, you know, when, when Scott walked through this door at the end of the day, I wanted the stresses of the day to fall off of him. I didn't want to add to those, so I needed to adjust. So yes, we still did homework. You know, yes, we still had the thing. The goal wasn't for me to meet him at the door with peeled grapes and foot massages, essential oils wafting through the air, and no responsibilities for my poor baby at home. No, I mean, come on, it's home, we've got to do it. But I needed to adjust my expectations, right? And I needed to know that his, what his life was kind of like out there and recognize that, and then to realize um, that we needed to have things not just centered on my agenda. You know, it was always a priority of ours to know too that our kids would know, know, know that they were loved and accepted, even when they made a poor decision or hit a rough patch. You know, they need to figure, up, figure out this growing up thing, and this happens by trial and error. And no one gets through this with a 100% score. It's all part of it. You know, to be honest, parents, you do not want your kids getting through with a 100% behavior score. You don't. Because then they've never tripped and fell when they were under your roof. And then they can come back with you as they're growing up and learn some huge God lessons, some huge life lessons while you're still there to hold their hands and while the consequences are relatively small as well. We wanted that to be a safe place, a soft place. We wanted them to know that they could share anything with us and that while there may be some hard consequences to the choices that they made, they would never be shamed or abandoned by us. We told them that nothing they did or said could ever shock us. You got to work on that one. You got to work on the face. But... It's true, and I used to encourage my kids even to tell me some of the fails or some of the yucky stuff because I wanted them to give me a chance to love all of them, not just the lovable parts. Yeah, this is hard to hear because uh, we definitely made our fair share of mistakes on this one, but Kathy, as you were talking, I think of the word grace, grace, grace that accepts us where we are, not where we think we should be. And so often as parents, we have an image of where we think our kids should be in life. And we're putting those expectations and demands on them. Not that we never, you know, motivate. That's not what we're talking about. But the overall tone is grace and acceptance. That as we want God to be that with us, we need to be that with our kids. Years and years ago, when I was a youth pastor and working with parents of teenagers, I would say, you just need to know that the paint's not dry yet. 
Yeah. Right, that just because they walk across the stage and get a diploma at high school doesn't mean they're fully formed adults, right? God's still at work. They're still in process. And as Kathy said, what a privilege that they're still under your, wor- under your roof while you get a chance to work with them as well. You know, a passage that's always really been challenging to me is Ephesians 6, 4, where Paul says, uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children. You know, exasperate, to frustrate them with unrealistic demands. And I always think about that, you know, am I providing godly direction, which that passage talks about as well, or am I just constantly frustrating them, asking them to be who, you know, they're not able to be at the time, or maybe who God doesn't even want them to be, right? But we have our all dreams and hopes as, you know, parents, and we press that onto our kids. We don't want to exasperate them. We want to encourage them. And that's part of the home being a soft place, right? Okay. We've talked about some really hard things today. And there's some of you out there going, you know, I'm good. My home's not dealing with any of these things, so yay for me. Well, come on now. You're not going to get off that easy. Because we, we all have some work to do. So here's your turn. We call it actually silly, but it's really for you. So we're going to dive quickly into a couple verses of scripture um, in Luke chapter 10. So it's a story about two sisters that you might have heard of before, Mary and Martha. And they have very, very different uh, work styles and expectations. Jesus is visiting, and they both know it's a huge deal. So Martha, Martha, she is like, decides she's going to cook, and she's going to rage clean, and she is going to like be in a spiral all around her house, and she's going to be saying, why doesn't anyone ever help me around here? I've got to do all this myself. And, you know, Mary's not getting the message because Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet. She's just sitting there just enjoying his presence. So Martha, being Martha, got to complain to Jesus, tell her to help me. God, can you see? She's not helping me. And this is what Jesus says back to, to Martha. Martha, Martha, which I, I guarantee you is not Martha, Martha. You know, he was just soft with her. You are worried and upset. Get it? Worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Can you picture it? Ever been there? The long list of I do's and appointments and schedules and chores and people who need us, and then you get in this spiral that's kind of out of control, and your kids are backing up going, stay away from mom, stay away from dad. You know, they're in a mood, you know, and they kind of go hide in their room or something. It's chaos. I mean, you don't want, that is not a peaceful home if you're just in this total spiral. Um, the, the question is, I, how can you experience God's peace in the middle of way too much? Well, the short answer is yes. Jesus said only one thing was needed, and Mary had chosen what is better. So what did Mary choose? She chose worship, and she chose being with Jesus So she let go of some of the to-dos, and she let them go undone if she couldn't do them with a good attitude. Okay, the other takeaway from this story is that we all know that Jesus is good with leftovers and with call-in pizza orders, because clearly he told Martha, don't worry about it. So I'm taking that with me too. Some other hints, stop comparing your family and your family vibe with everyone else's and embrace and be grateful for your own. Stop trying to get everything so perfectly perfect and just embrace and be grateful for your reality. 
Stop looking at your kids, wondering when they're gonna get with the program and embrace and be grateful for who they are today and the kids that God has given you. Don't be worried and upset about so many things. Choose what is better. I mean, that's the environment we want in our homes, right? Not this harried craze, but that peaceful presence. And Jesus said we could choose it. We can choose it. And the story is great because it brings us back to the core, brings us back to that relationship with Jesus. And not that this other stuff and all this activity and the chaos of life is unimportant. It's just not most important. It starts with the core, me and my God. From there, it goes to me and my spouse, and peace and marriage, and, and, and then peace and family life, me and my kids, right? Working from the way in and going out. We have covered a lot today, and as Kathy said, some of it's been pretty serious. Maybe you've gone through this and felt smacked over the head by a two-by-four a time or two, and I suppose there is something that we all can take away from this, and I trust that you will take that to heart. But instead of giving you, know, you five more homework assignments as we wrap up, uh, we want to encourage you. We want to affirm you. Uh, we want to encourage you and affirm you uh, as spouses, as parents, and dads, you especially. You know, the age-old axiom is Mother's Day at church. We say, moms, you're the greatest. And dads, we say, get with the program and straighten up, right? No, dads, what you're doing is great. You are making a difference in the life of your marriage, in the life of, of your home. We really do. And don't underestimate the impact you can make. Actually, the impact you are already making by just letting the love of Jesus reside in you and pour out. We're so easy to look at ourselves, be self-critical, and you know, think about all the ways we're failing, but be encouraged. Be encouraged, because God uses marriages, God uses families to change lives and to change the world. Because even if just a kernel of peace can reside in our hearts and to begin to take root, and Jesus can multiply that in our lives, amazing things can happen. Peace can come. That as you're keeping your head while everyone else is losing theirs, others are going to notice. People are going to recognize that. People are going to ask that peace. Where does it come from? And you'll be able to tell them. You'll be able to tell them it all starts with Jesus. It really does. He is the reason that I'm finding greater peace in this anxious world of ours. Let's pray together. And God, we want to pray today and thank you for the work that you're doing and just, God, that you are alive in marriages and families and individuals. You know, I appreciate just this understanding that wherever we are, married, widowed, single, divorced, the core is for all of us. Peace, experiencing peace with Jesus is for all of us. And then, Lord, for those of us who are married, that we would draw from that peace and extend it to our spouse, where you would build an environment of truth-telling and trust-building, honesty for the sake of greater peace. And then from there, you'd, you'd allow us to create homes right, that are safe and steady and soft and silly where our kids can flourish not fully protected, but shielded from many of the stresses that this anxious world brings. And that as they're in an environment like that, they're growing and sensing in very real ways who Jesus is and who he wants to be for them. 
Lord, with the hundreds hearing our voices, listening to this message, speak a word of challenge, but also a word of encouragement to us today that we would look to you, Jesus, and that your grace would take over in our lives and flood our hearts with peace. That wherever we are today, not where we think we should be or beating ourselves up for the mistakes of the past, but wherever we are today, God, we be open to your peace flooding our hearts. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A sermon like that can kind of hit home, right, friends? Uh, Thank you, Dan and Kathy. That was so powerful. I uh, particularly liked the, uh, you know, nothing can shock us. Tell your kids nothing can shock us. Maybe they go, Mama. No, I'm just totally kidding. (laughs) It's been nice working at Hopevale. Nice to know you guys. Oh, well. (laughs) Hey, let's stand up. Hey, so uh, for for real, like stuff like this can really hit home. And doesn't it shine the flashlight on where you fall short? My gosh, it just can do that, you know. And you guys aren't alone. Nobody's alone in this stuff. So um, there's this great song we all sing that we've all been singing for a while here, Lord, I Need You. And what a prayer this is because if we're going to do any of this stuff, any of these things we know we need to work on with the, with the Lord that uh, we need his help. So Mark, take us in, man. Amber's going to lead us.
Grace is found where God is, and all of us, all of us need the grace of God. Amen? Amen. So the, the opening line to Bohemian Rhapsody, huh? That, that really had, yeah. Speaking of grace, yes. Um, and that is why we don't stream the closing song to Bay City, so. Hey, happy Father's Day, Dad. Let's, let's give it up for our dads here, can we? So good to share this day with you. Next week, we're going to wrap up the It Is Well series. Next week also is Bible Camp as well. Can't wait for that. But as you go from here, may you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.